0: Thank you. <laughs> so I can see. I don't know. Apparently, I preach kids to sleep. So, <laughs> like it's hard. but now I'm blaming Stu because he's he's out before <laughs> he's out before. Well, I'm excited you're here. I hope you're excited you're here as we kind of take the next couple of weeks and we talk about this idea of how to neighbor. I don't know about you, but I think it's something that we've kind of lost the art of. Um, we 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 really have. I remember growing up when my house was where we played like wiffle ball and baseball in our front yard every single day, and all the kids came over, you know, and the entire neighborhood hung out and, and did all that stuff. You don't really see that anymore. I mean, I go to my neighbor's house now, and they, they think I'm a Jehovah's Witness or something. They're afraid, yeah. and so we don't we just don't see this idea of neighboring and everything. And so the next couple weeks, I'm going to talk about that, especially as we're going out into the community. Um, This next week, and and we're loving on kids, and from all different races, all different ages, all different types of kids, all different backgrounds. We're going to be there. And if you really look at our culture, if you look where you live, man, we are a very diverse nation. I I think that's one of the blessings of our of of our country, is that we have always been a very diverse nation. Um, We have always, every one of us is an immigrant from somewhere, some past. And and so it's unless you're an American Indian. And you were here, and even then, I believe you immigrated here a long time ago, maybe it was the Ice Age or something, but everyone eventually walked over to this place. And we've lost this idea of what it means to be a neighbor and everything. And so tonight, this is what I want to talk about, and I really want to define maybe the idea of what what it means, who is our neighbor. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, Um, (coughs) if you don't have a Bible... We have them on the sides. You can have those, put your name in it, keep it, and, and, and do whatever you want with them. They're yours. You, you can have them and everything. But um, Mother Teresa said this, and, and I love it. it says, I, I want you to be concerned about your next-door neighbor. Do you know your next-door neighbor? Well, what a great question to think about. Do I really know my neighbor? Do I know who my neighbor is? And so that's really what I want to focus on tonight. Is who is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Because I believe believe Jesus answered it perfectly uh, in an amazing way. So let's pray and we're going to dive in. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you um, for the opportunity that you're giving us this next week to really just dive into this community. God, there is a lot of tension in our country right now. There, There is a lot of turmoil. God, hate never solves hate. Jesus, you proved that. And so tonight, as we open your word, God, I pray that you would just speak to us, God, that you would just you would minister our hearts, God, that you would just put in us your love. That we would love as you do. God, what, what you need to say, I pray you say it tonight. That may it not be my words, but maybe yours. They're the only ones that matter. Father, have your way and speak to us now. Give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be sitting here in Luke 10, and, and, and I love this, the whole idea about neighboring. Again, I think it's something that we've lost. I think we've lost the idea of, like, you know, who is my neighbor? How do I neighbor? How do I do this? And, and when you think about it, Jesus kind of broke down basically everything we need to know to follow God and to live for him. In the way that he expects us. In the way we were expected to live for him. Basically in two things. Love God with all your heart. And love people. Love God and love people. That That's it. He took all 615 or so commandments. And broke them down into two things. Love God and love people. And, and also, But it seems like we do a pretty good job. Or we think we do. Of loving God. You know. I mean we're good at going to church. We're good at like you know. being Trying to be good people and all this stuff. But. I look in the news and I I watch what's happening in our country right now. We have forgotten how to love people. And and I'm sorry, but that should be the number one call of the church. We should be leading the way in loving people. And so often that's not what we see. And so in Luke 10, we get this dialogue between Jesus and a religious lawyer. and, and, And he's asking a question. So turn with me, Luke chapter 10. And Jesus is sitting there. And wherever Jesus is, there's always a crowd of people. There's always those that want to hear what he has to say and always those that want to trap him in what he says. And so in verse 25, it starts, it says, Just then an expert in the law stood up to test him. I love that it says, I mean, I think that's very generous of Luke and and all the gospel writers when they call them experts of the law when they're standing next to Jesus. Stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is a very intelligent man. This is a very very strong man very he probably known the community he studied and everything he he is an expert in all this and so jesus i love that whenever we ask jesus a question whenever anyone asks him a question he always kind of turns it around it's kind of it is it is the jewish process of debate if you ever notice like any great philosophers like anybody that debated like in the biblical times it was always like you ask a question i'm going to ask you a question and so jesus always has this way of turning it back around he goes okay what is written in the law he asked how do you read it Verse 27, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify him, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I, 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 love, I love that he asked the question. Here, here he is. He's got the answer. He knows the, He knows scripture. And how many of us know scripture? I mean, we think we do. And he knows the words, but how often do we read these words and we we know them, but we don't really aren't known by them, because that that's the problem with this lawyer. He may know the words, but he's not known for them. He doesn't know about them. He doesn't. It hasn't in, in, it hasn't even penetrated his life. He's like I, I got my checklist. I know what it says and everything, but he he goes all right. But who is my neighbor then? All right, I'm supposed to love God, love neighbor. But tell me who my neighbor is. And, and I love that it says in justifying himself. See, I think so often as followers of Christ and, and as as a church, we we justify so many things that we do. You know, we like, I, the, there are so many people right now that are preaching gray areas. And I got to tell you, throughout all my study and my belief that there isn't a gray area in Scripture. God doesn't play around in the gray areas. God says, no, this is the way, follow it. It's either this way or it's your way, but there's nothing in between. And so he just wants to justify. And how many of us justify our view? How many times do we like read scripture and says, well, you know, that's not really meant for me. (laughs) I don't feel led. (laughs) But he asks this great question, who is my neighbor? And I love that Jesus decides, hey, listen, I'm going to answer it for you. So move, move down to verse 30. Verse 30 says, Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happening to go down the road. A priest happened to be going down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. Now we, we all know this story. It, it's the good Samaritan. And we can all probably we all like boo the priest and we all boo the Levite. And everything, look, I can't believe they just just left him here. But I want you to know something really interesting. Jesus never answered the question, Who is my neighbor? What he did is he answered, Have a neighbor. You, you see in that entire in that entire passage you know he 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 talks about the the guy he's leaving you know there's a priest there's a levite and there's a samaritan and and, and I kind of believe this isn't a parable i know a lot of time we we call it a parable look at it like it's a story i think this is actually something that may have happened that people knew about because if if you think about it if it was just a story that jesus was making up people were sitting there going Nah, there's no way that didn't happen you're just making up because the jews hated the samaritans the Samaritans hated the Jews. This was really strange. come you know, kind of this, this is ever since the kingdom split like 700 years before. And the entire Israel country split into two countries. You had Israel and then you had Judah. You know, the northern tribes and, and then the southern tribes. And, and the northern tribes just kept going farther and farther away from God. If you want to read something really depressing, read like Kings first and second kings or read like to the chronicles and stuff after the tribe split see at least judah every so often there was like and this was a good king and he did it all of the northern tribes kings all of them were evil in the sight of god not one good king and they just went farther and farther and farther away until god finally said enough they were taken into captivity they were intermarried They're all kinds of stuff and they became the samaritans they, they had a different place of worship. They didn't believe Jerusalem was it. And so everything about them was polar opposite from the Jewish people. They, they, they hated each other. I mean, if a Jew had to get somewhere and he had to travel through Samaria, he would travel four extra days to go around just so he wouldn't have to step foot in that. And so for Jesus just to sit there and go like, yeah, let me tell you the story. Like there's the Samaritan. I think this is something that actually happened. And, and they all sat there, and you could just hear, wait a minute, the priest the Levi, a Samaritan? And, and so he's not talking about who, but he's talking about how. It's the one that had compassion. It's the neighbor, how the neighbor is the one that walked across the street. The one that saw the trouble, that saw the need and said, I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to walk across the street. Now, I mean we can justify the priest. You can say, well, he's a priest and stuff. There may have been this was a very dangerous road. This happened all the time. It was very common on this road. That there were robbers in waiting. He says, you know, if I if I if I if I stop, maybe there are more robbers here. You know, or the Levite may be heading to us. If I stop and touch him and he's bleeding, then I'm unclean. I can't do my duties. And we can justify as much as one. Nowhere does Jesus says that it's okay for you to justify. In fact, the Bible says, those who know to do good and do it not, it's sin and so Jesus Christ never answers the question who the neighbor is what he does is he talks about how to neighbor and the truth of the matter is if we're honest and if I'm completely honest with myself there are people I look at and say I'm not going to neighbor be a neighbor to that person There are people that I look at and just say, no, I don't, I'm not going to. I don't want to go down that road. I don't, I don't want to hang out in the neighborhood. Listen, I, I tell you, my wife and I did not want to move to Four Corners. I love y'all that live here. I appreciate you, and we love Four Corners now too. But there was a time where I used to pick up high schoolers and middle schoolers from down here and take them to youth group, and says, I'm never living down in there. That's that is a that's a thug place, man. <laughs> it's just a big ghetto, and it's horrible. I don't want to go down there. I mean, isn't that what we do? Sometimes we look across and we say, look at that person. Look, look at that. I'm, I don't want to be like that person. And, and we make a judgment. And, and in the heart of what it is, I mean, it, it's, it's racism. Listen, racism is not a skin issue. Racism, racism is a sin issue. And this is a hard subject right now in our country this is a hard subject all all over the planet because we we look at people and we make and i do it and and we make judgments and we look at people but let me tell you something jesus never said who our neighbor was he said how to neighbor jesus never said these people are worth let me say if you believe tonight that there is there's a person or a group of people on this planet that jesus can't save I'm going to tell you something. You are stuck in sin and you and I do not know the same Jesus because my Jesus can save every person on this planet. What he did was good enough. And when, G- when God when John wrote that famous verse for God so loved the cosmos, the world, all of it. It was talking about everyone. See, I think we've forgotten that there's really only one race on this planet. Skin pigmentation, accent, economic background doesn't change you from you and me at all. Because God says, I created one people, the human race. And, and that's it. And so we need to come to grips with that. And this, this is a problem in our country still. And unfortunately, this is going to continue to be a problem in our world until Jesus comes back and says, no, enough's enough. And I can't wait for that day. I long for that day. But as the church, we should be the place that says, no, everyone. Because listen, if you can't get along with other people that aren't like you, you're going to hate heaven. (laughs) Because my Bible says that that he looked out that John looked over and he saw a multitude of every race, every every tongue, every language. I mean, there's going to be people like there's going to be a bunch. all the Yankees are going to be there and we're going to have to deal with those Boston accents. We're going to have they're going to be on a different road than us, but we're going to have to deal with them. And there are going to be people from the Middle East and people from the Far East. There's going to be, Every single race is going to be pictured. And so my heart breaks is that our churches should look like that. So the question is, is how do we neighbor? How, how do we neighbor everyone? How do we actually do what Jesus said? Love people. Love people. I, I think the very first thing is this. We need to recognize our own prejudices. And, and all prejudice means is prejudging. All that means is I look at somebody and, and I just say, boom, okay, that that that's that person. And and you know, I, I did it as a youth pastor. Kids walk around the high school with the pants like down here and all the belts. I'm just like, You thugs. I so I didn't know he couldn't afford a belt. <laughs> You know, we, we look at people and we, we make these judgment calls, and, and I got to wonder how much it breaks God's heart. Because again, there's nobody on this planet that is not redeemable. And we need to start seeing people the way God sees them. If we actually want to live that command out, we need to start seeing people the way God sees them broken. We are in a broken world. You and I are broken, they are broken, we're all broken. Listen, the common thing, I've said it before, the common ground that every single one of us has in this building and all across the planet is that every single one of us need a savior. I don't care who you are. We all need a savior. And, and so we, we've got we've got to recognize so look at James 2, 9. James who didn't mince any words and if you want just like a straightforward, I, I think my wife and James are going to get along really well in heaven because <laughs> she's the kind of the, this is how it is like yes ma'am all right but he said in verse nine, he says, "But if you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted and are convicted by the law's transgressors. I mean I mean we do it so often, don't we? And it's so sad we do it in church too. I, I was at a church one time, not for long, but I was at a church one time and they said, man, we love that you're reaching kids, but we don't like some of those kids that are coming. I'm like, well, then you better just close your eyes because more of them are coming. <laughs> this is my, my prayer for this church. I'm going to tell you this. This makes you uncomfortable. Then then be uncomfortable. There are a million other churches on this in this this area and stuff. But my prayer is, God, send us the people that nobody else wants. Dear God, send us the people that nobody else wants. Send, send us the people that are broken and dirty and beaten and battered and, and all that stuff. Send us those people, God. Let us be that place. Because there there, there are a couple of things I know. John Newton, John Newton who wrote um, Amazing Grace, has, has a great line. He says, there are two things I know. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great Savior. And so I so I remember and I hope we remember as we look at people saying, man, they need a savior. I need a savior. Listen, listen, if you're watching all this political garbage on Facebook and everything and you're just like, what is wrong with them? I can tell you they don't know Jesus. How else are they going to act? Church, we got to stop thinking that they need to start acting like us and they need to start realizing the person that changed us from the way they are. It's the same person that can change them. See, it's not our job to change anybody. Listen, unless you, unless I'll, I'll put water down here, you walk on it. You show me the scars, because if you can save anybody, I'll shut up and I will quit preaching. Because the only person I know that saves anybody is Jesus Christ. And it's my job to love them all, just as He loves them. And so we we've got to recognize our prejudices, and that means hard look. We got to look. You know, do, do I do this? I know I do. I think I've told the story before. I spent the first three months. My my daughter was three months old when I got sent to Iraq. And I spent the next 15 years disliking intensely anybody that was from the Middle East. Because I felt they stole so much of my life, so much of my time. And and God, God had to remind me, I died for them too. I love them. And if you don't love them, if you don't love that person, my Bible says then you don't know the same Jesus. That, that's the honest truth. We need to be the ones stop, stopping with the picket signs. All oh, gays go to hell and all that stupid, horrible stuff. And we need to be the first ones crossing those picket lines and saying, listen, I don't agree with you, but there's a God that loves you. And because of that, I love you too. I don't care what they are. I don't care if they're Muslim. I don't care what they are. It doesn't matter because God loves them and we're called to love them. So we have to start really looking in my (coughs) prejudging. Next thing is we just got to seek to understand. I mean, I used to get in trouble because I would tell parents like, listen, it's important. Your kids need to learn evolution so they understand why it's so wrong. We, we, we need to get out of our little holy huddles and our Christian bubbles and start understanding what's going on in the world. Can I tell you something? Did you know in the Islam faith that judgment comes and there's a scale and it's if you did good, how much good you did against how much bad you did and Allah is not always fair. Allah can have, be having a bad day and he can say, nope, you were bad enough. You're going to spend eternity in hell or, oh no, you did good enough. The only way to miss that is to martyr yourself in a jihad. So can you understand why there are millions of mothers worried about their children and their eternal security saying, yes, son, yes, daughter, it's OK to strap a bomb on you because this way you don't have to worry about that judgment because we don't know how that's going to go. Can that make it look? It doesn't make it all right, but can that make it look a little bit different in the darkness that they live in? And the lies that they're filled with. These are people that were. Listen. The Crusades is the darkest time. In church history. We were jerks. And they remember that. And they are brought up from birth saying. The Westerners hate you. But did you know the largest group of people. In the world today. That are coming to Christ. By the thousands and thousands. Are Muslims right now. Because they're running out of their countries and they're running into arms of people that are actually being the church and saying, we love you. What can we do for you? We know there's some nuts inside of you. We don't care. We're going to love you anyway. And they are coming to know Jesus in the thousands and thousands and thousands. It's, it's incredible what is happening in the Middle East. We need to start seeking to understand. It doesn't mean agree. Listen. I don't agree with a homosexual lifestyle. I think it's against the Bible. I think it's against everything that God stands. But I understand that some of those people, that's the only way they feel alive. It's the only way they feel loved. And they have been taught since they could speak that it's okay. If this is the way you feel, this is who you actually are. And it's been ingrained in them. And so for us just to come in and say, you're going to hell. That doesn't represent anything except idiots. Idiots. But if we start loving them and understand and understand the story that brought them there and saying we're, we're going to love you anyway, because that's your sin. My sin's pride, man. I have an issue of pride and it's just as disgusting to God. And, and I have to deal with this. We have to start seeking to understand you want to be a good neighbor. Understand what your neighbors are going through. This is a beat up area in Florida. There are families hurting and struggling here. There's a reason we chose to do a vacation Bible camp, school, sports thing at a public school instead of at a church. One, that had been insane trying to fit all of them in here and doing basketball in here. But two, a place where they can come and bring their kids, and it's maybe not a church, but it is the church surrounding them. We've got to seek to understand others. I didn't say agree, but understand And then finally, love those different from you. Galatians. Jump over to Galatians with me. Come on, you can do it. Paul writes this in Galatians 3.20. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's only one race. There's only one group of people, and every one of us needs a savior. And we we sat in here last night, a few of us were here, and we got to watch this movie, Woodlawn. It's an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, you've missed a great movie. It's this beautiful movie. It's a true story about a town in in Birmingham, Alabama in the early 70s and just the race riots and all the destruction and the hatred that was going on in that. And when God took control of a little football team and God took control of a bunch of black kids and white kids and all kinds of different people, And it just changed everything. In fact, Birmingham today is still a place where God is being preached in the schools. It's one of the strongest areas where you just see students are coming to know Christ. And God is just moving in a great way in Birmingham still today. But it started there because God took control. And I love it in the middle. There's this preacher in the middle of it preaching to his his whole black congregation. And he says, listen, if you love those who love you, you have to ask your question. What kind of love is that? If you only love those who love you, that's easy. My Bible says that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies with God, while we hated God and fought against him, that God showed his love towards us that he gave a son, that Jesus died when we hated him. If we only love those who love us, what's the point? That's the point. We are called. We are commanded. To love others. With the love of Jesus. Let's finish this. Look at back at Luke 10. Jesus turns it around on him. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Verse 37. The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. You know what the saddest part of this passage to me is? Is that I don't think the lawyer ever got it. Because the lawyer didn't say it was the Samaritan. He said, no, it was the one that was nice. He couldn't even bring himself to say it was the Samaritan. So I, I think he still had this, the same issue. God is calling us to cross the street. God is calling us to love people the way he loves them. To sacrifice what needs to be sacrificed. To give what needs to be given. Whatever it takes to reach them. We're safe. We're, we're good. How on earth. Could we accept such an awesome gift that grace is such an awesome gift as what Jesus is into our lives and not be willing to share that with every single person that passes our path? You want to know what's going to end terrorism in the world? You want to know what's going to end racism in the world? You don't want to know what's going to end all the atrocities in the world. One thing, Jesus is the gospel. It has always worked, it will always work, and it will always change everything. And when God shows up, things happen. That's my prayer. That, that's my prayer for this for our church. It's my prayer for me that I have the guts to cross the street. That I have the boldness to say there is an answer to all of this. We don't have to stand by and watch this anymore. We, we can love. We can cross through picket lines. We can cross the street Uh, Martin Luther King did a sermon about the Good Samaritan. He says, the first question which the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Church, what would happen if we started asking that question? If I don't share the gospel, if I don't serve, if I don't give my life, then what will happen to them? What if we changed the focus off of us and said, Jesus, you came for them. Man, send me. I pray this week that we meet kids and we meet families that are broken and battered and bruised and hurting and they hear about a God that loves them so much that died for them and gave everything for them. Because you think about the ultimate crossing of the street was God leaving heaven and entering our planet and doing nothing wrong but everything right and yet still being hated and it cost them everything. Church, what will happen to them if we don't cross the street? I'm going to tell you, I'm so thankful that God is sovereign because if this church doesn't cross the street, I promise you God will raise up a church that will cross the street. And I believe that with all my heart today, that God is closing churches and he's raising up another churches to saying, who's going to cross the street for me? Because the good news is God doesn't need us to do any of this. God can do it all himself and he invites us just to join him and say, listen, here's where I'm working. Come on. That's my prayer for us. That That's my prayer for all of us. That we stop asking, who is my neighbor? And start asking God, how do I neighbor? How do I neighbor today? And may the world be changed because of it. Because I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to take a time just, just to respond. You know, and here we we don't we we don't pass a plate we don't do anything we just we just believe that God's Spirit moves as it will, and we want to get out of His way. And so tonight we're gonna have you know Stu and Cher are gonna come up here and gonna lead us through a song. If you want to pray, I'll be up here ready to pray with you. If you want to just sit there and just say, man, I've got prejudices. I got there are things in my life that I gotta let go, God, and confess those. Then do it. If you want to remember the one who crossed the ultimate street, Jesus, for us, we have communion always available. If you want to go in there and just write a prayer for this week or do a prayer for your life saying, God, man, I need to let go of this. I need to start prejudging. I need to be a better neighbor. If you want to worship through tithes and offering and just say, God, I trust you with that. The offering box is available. Whatever God is doing, let him do. But let us start asking that question. God, How, how do we neighbor? Not who's my neighbor, but how do we neighbor? And let's see what God does with that. Let's pray.